Welcome, everyone, to the latest edition of BAMS Radio. I'm your host, Drew DeArmond. Uh, we hope all the Tide Nation is uh, anxious tonight to get it rolling for another two hours here. Uh, we're back on Wednesdays from 8 to 10 p.m. I'm joined by, of course, the wizard, our producer, uh, behind the curtain, always keeping us straight and narrow, down, straight down the road, out of the ditch, and that's Thomas Watts. He's the one and only. And uh, my, my partner, Kerry Clark, will be with us uh, shortly uh, during the show. He's, uh, was, tonight he had the privilege of going over to the Bright Star to listen to a native Huntsvillian and another uh, uh, a, a, a native son of the 256, I guess is the best way to put it, and that's uh, the incomparable Cecil Hurt, who is speaking uh, to uh, Tide fans tonight over there. So he'll have some tidbits from the one and only Cecil Hurt. But, again, uh, we're going to talk some Alabama tonight. We're going to have Rodney Orr on with us in this first hour. Uh, we're going to also hear from Cam Akers, the latest commitment for the Crimson Tide. I spoke with him on my show Talking Ball recently, and uh, he's a 2017 athlete. He projects at the running back spot. And with he and Najee Harris committed currently in the 2017 class, Najee, of course, being the superstar from Antioch, California, I think they've got the – the best running back class in America already locked up if they can keep their verbal commitments in the 2017 class. And, of course, in the second hour, great friend of mine, uh, one of the, 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 the uh, radio hosts of the longest-running sports talk show in the city of champions in Tuscaloosa, and that will be Ryan C. Fowler uh, after his radio program, The Game, which is every night, Monday through Friday, from 6 to 9. It will conclude, and he will join us at 9.15. But, Thomas, how are you doing tonight, brother? Man, I've been reading fall camp stuff, and I'm chomping at the bit to to get into it. You know. Yeah, I can hear. I hear you, and of course, Thomas also contributes to Touchdown Alabama Magazine. Does such a great job, and I know you've got some thoughts early on fall camp, Thomas. Uh, I will say, I got a phone call late last night around the midnight hour, and uh, much as, as much as I saw Sunday at the open practice for Fan Day, where. You know, the quarterbacks mostly all struggled except for Blake Barnett. Sounds like all five did yesterday, and there's still no separation. Uh, I hate to use this analogy, but, uh, I, of course, I got, you know, peppered with questions the last two to three days, and uh, they asked me about Jake Coker, and could Jake Coker really still be struggling? And I had to send them a YouTube clip, Thomas. I do have a sense of humor, and I am a, a big-time sports fanatic, and all you listeners out there who – uh, are my age or uh, around uh, maybe a little younger, maybe a little older. You're all going to remember Bull Durham. And I had to send them uh, the video clip of early in the movie with Kevin Costner when he first met Nuke Lelouch as uh, Crash Davis. And he told him, he said, Nuke, I want you to hit me in the chest with the ball. And uh, Nuke told him, he said, if I do, I'll kill you. He said, Meat, I want you to hit me in the chest with the ball. I don't think you could hit water if you fell out of a boat. And he threw it through the window. <laughs> that was Jake Coker yeah. on Sunday. And it didn't sound like he was much better last night. Have not had a report from today. But that last night was, of course, the second practice, as uh, yesterday was the first two a day. Right. And that's it, what we've said on this show. We've said it. It's been kind of the, the litany of, from a lot of commentators. If he can't gain some consistency through seven-on-seven skeleton drills in the summer or pull it pull, – really, at this point, pull his bacon out of the fire and show some consistency in fall camp, there's no reason to start this guy. I mean, 
the defense is already going to have to carry the offense early on. Why would you put a guy in there that will put the defense in an even worse position? That, that's kind of my reasoning outside looking in. Well, I agree. And what I was also told is the defense will be special. But first, before we talk some more football, speaking of special people, uh, on line one with us tonight is a great friend of this show and one of the preeminent baseball fans and Alabama fans in general of the Crimson Tide, and that is Miss Paige Hawkman, co-owner of Asian Rim Restaurant in Birmingham and Huntsville. Paige, how are you? I'm great, Drew. I, I apologize to all your football fans out there who don't want to talk about Alabama baseball or hear about Alabama baseball right now. Um, but uh, I do appreciate you having me on. No, no doubt, Paige. We always love having you on. Uh, you're very close to the program for obvious reasons with your son, Georgie, now returning for his senior season to Rome center field for one more spring for the Tide. And it's an exciting time because everyone is keeping up with the renovations over at the new Joe and seeing it, it go up. I got a chance to walk past that, a lot of the cranes and everything. Everything's still walled off, but you can see it kind of rising from the ashes. And it's very exciting. And looking forward uh, as the countdown has continued, thanks to Mr. Rick Penley and Roger Myers, uh, two of the superb baseball boosters and fans out there on Facebook and Twitter. But uh, just really looking forward uh, to the new facility and getting that rolling, and, and I'm sure the players are, because uh, no more uh, 365 days on the road. Well, they are looking forward to the new stadium, undoubtedly. I I just uh, was down there the day before yesterday. My younger son, who um, is, is not playing college sports, um, I moved him in, and uh, so I drove by the field after we'd moved him in, and that thing is just amazing. It's it's really I am shocked at how just beautiful and dramatic it is. I mean it it's just it's unreal. I mean it, it is going to rival any baseball stadium in the country and that's just so 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 exciting for the program. And I can only imagine that the um, atmosphere is just going to be completely and totally electric. I would not want to miss at least the first game in this stadium. I think it's going to be just amazing. I can't wait myself. I I definitely plan on covering that game. And the the great part is it will be against a very good team, uh, the Maryland Terrapins, who the last two years have made the Super Regionals. So there there should be a lot of electricity there. Could be uh, D1Baseball.com, Kendall. Uh, Kendall, Kendall and those guys could be there. Mark Edwards, who uh, are my, uh, who is a great friend of my Mark Etheridge, excuse me, who's a great uh, friend of my show. who has been on my radio show here in Huntsville, and Etheridge does a great job. And and uh, it, it, I'm really in Kendall Rogers is who I was talking about. Those guys could definitely be in attendance. It's going to be an exciting time. I mean, it's something that should have happened a long time ago, uh, but it took it took probably ten years too long. But it's finally here. And then the great part, you know. And I know it played a part in Georgie's decision to come back and also finish his mm-hmm. education, but uh, Georgie gets a chance uh, to be with a group of guys that are going to be an answer to a trivia question, and that's going to be the first game ever played in the new Joe, and that's going to be really electric. Oh, yeah, it really is. And, you know, I think that, uh, you know, John Keller is going to be back. And John, I think John Keller is going to be stronger than, than ever. You know, he's he's the bull, and he – is he is a great leader on our team. As a matter of fact, 
I think John having to be out last year, recuperating from Tommy John surgery, actually brought back his extreme hunger to be back on the mound and uh, to just work super hard. And he is, and he was just a great leader, even though he was, you know, not in uniform the whole year. I mean, he just, hey, when when the younger guys were fooling around and not doing what they were supposed to be doing, you know, he was on them. And uh, when, you know, our team was lifting up, he was there. And he was just a great vocal leader for the team this past year, even though he was not in uniform. So I look forward to having John Keller um, be, you know, a very, very strong uh, fifth-year senior leader on the team. I also think that Will Haney is going to – I think that Will being up at the Cape this summer – I think he's made some huge progress up there, and I'm pretty sure that he just won the Sportsmanship Award for the whole Cape Cod League, which is really outstanding. Um, And then I think that Chance Vincent either won or was in the running for um, Player of the Year for the um, Texas League that he was playing in. So that's just two really great stories from Summer League Baseball for our guys. Georgie took the summer off, I'm happy to say, for the first time in his life since he was six years old. And he has just fished and had fun and been at the beach and now working out too, of course, and also um, doing summer school. And um, this, with his decision to return this year, he will actually be able to graduate with a double major in business in May. So, of course, mom is very proud of that. And I think probably one of the things that the players are just extremely excited about is um, they are, last year they did, you know, the last two years they've done 5 a.m. workouts in the fall, which, to be honest with you, I've never understood that for baseball. I know they didn't do it back in the day, but um, they are, Coach Gaspard told them that they are not going to be doing 5 a.m. workouts this year in the fall they may do some on fridays but um the team is just overjoyed about that i think actually that was part of what contributed quite frankly to the team being as tired as they were when the season started they just kind of never had a chance to recuperate because they all go play summer ball then they came back for rigorous workouts that started at five o'clock in the morning and then had to be students on top of that and then had to do the fall um season and so I think that letting them have the fall, you know, they'll go work out every day. They'll go hit every day, you know. So when I say workout, I mean the 5 a.m. workouts were killer. You know, they were, you know, pretty, pretty strong workouts. But um, they, they're excited about that and excited about the new stadium. And, and I appreciate all your football fans letting me uh, share something about baseball. And, and hopefully they will come support and come see this new amazing stadium that we have down there. Uh, no doubt, Paige. And we've been following uh, the summer uh, exploits of, of of the guys. Tyler Adams had a good summer as a reliever. Mm-hmm. Uh, we chance has swung the bat really well, as you said, and really, really enthused about Will Haney. Uh, he's always had such potential, light tower power, mm-hmm. but if he could just make consistent contact, we've all talked about, uh, you know, what he could do and maybe ha- could have a chance to accomplish in professional baseball. And he's done it in the in the best summer league in the country. And as you said, got the sportsmanship award. Uh, he will be counted on, along with John Keller and your son, uh, to be pillars and leaders on the team. And uh, very excited uh, about the – if John Keller can come back, you know, Jeffrey Bram, what I felt like was one of the better pitchers in the SEC, uh, the way he finished up. And then Jake Walters will be a sophomore. 
Uh, looking forward to seeing the form that's from the same high school as John Keller Thompson High, seeing what he can do. Nick Eicholtz, he kind of was a little bit nicked up. Hopefully he can come and be a factor. And then uh, he's had, just for the, the story that it would be to finally get healthy, and I'm going to butcher the name again, but if Ozapak, uh, a kid that's had Ozzie, so many arm problems, Ozzie, if he could yeah. come back and pitch as a senior, would be great. Yeah. Well, it's Mike Ozapak, and um, he, they call him Oz. Oh, they never they never call him Mike or Ozapak. He's just Oz. And, yeah, um, he. it looks like he's going to be back and, and be healthy for the upcoming year. So, you know, pitching has um, not been probably our strongest uh, position on the team. Um, you know, it, it just seems like they, they had trouble stringing several pitchers up together that were all on the same night. And, um you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, we had some, you know, really stellar performances too throughout the year. But um, to keep us out of the fear that we had to go through that we would perhaps not make the SEC tournament, you know, we just couldn't seem to get the uh, – we couldn't get the bats going. We had way too many strikeouts. But I think that um, – I think the guys were really tired from all of the travel, from just not having a home – stadium in Tuscaloosa and I know it's not like I'm making excuses but you know I I know these guys and I know how they are in Tuscaloosa when they're playing and I I saw them in Birmingham and just you know all of us that know them saw it and and it it was kind of like almost halfway through the season they were burned out from all of the bus rides and just living in the hotel pretty much the whole entire spring it was very tough on them and um, I do feel like that they were pretty much the sacrificial lamb, if you will, to get the stadium built. Um, but, you know, that just makes it all the more exciting for the ones who are able to come back and enjoy playing in Tuscaloosa again. I wish all of them could be back. I wish Mikey White and Kyle Overstreet and, you know, Gilbo and all the ones that were drafted, I wish they could be back and get to play in this stadium. I'm really, really going to miss them, but you know, I'm just thankful that Georgie um, will be able to um, enjoy that experience and be on the first team that plays in the new Joe. No doubt about it, Paige. And, you know, we we followed it. Casey Houston doing very well in professional baseball. Mikey had made some early uh, waves, and we're sure Kyle will, will do a good job as well. We, we we were very happy, and Gilbo. We're happy for all four of those guys. I'm, I'm like you. I wish they could have come back uh, for their final seasons. Well, Gilbo was a senior, but the other three – to play in the first year of the stadium, but they made, you know, excellent business decisions for themselves, and it gives others a chance now to to step it up and, and make their mark. It gives Georgia a chance to play an even bigger role uh, as a player, and and also we would be remiss. Alabama should have one of the best bullpens in the country with Thomas Burroughs and Ray Castillo. Uh, both of them will be returning uh, to the Tide, and and we'll see. You know, uh, they, they you know they've got some uh, good young players. Uh, coming back, who who could take uh, take on bigger roles offensively? Uh, Avant and Chandler Avant looks like he will uh, definitely take on a bigger role. May even move to shortstop. Then Connor Short, uh, the transfer from Auburn, whose uh, dad Ben was a great relief pitcher at Alabama. Uh, he'll he has a chance now to uh, claim uh, third base. I think he'll probably be the the, the favorite there. So, and then of course. Uh, uh, Cody Henry as well. I mean, he, he had a very good uh, freshman year. Let's see how he can build on that. 
you never know uh, what's going to happen in baseball year to year. It's such a, a sport where guys can come out of nowhere and play well. And I know they've had some other signees late, uh, especially a couple of junior college players. So just going to be very right. interesting fall, and they can get a chance to uh, – well, I had one other question, I guess, as we wrap it up. Will they get to use the stadium in the fall? Um, I'm pretty sure that they are going to be um, – I'm, I'm sorry, reverse. Yes, they're using the field. Um, supposedly, we're all supposed to be able to sit in the stadium, you know, the seat, not right field, but like we did last fall, right. but the actual stadium. That's why they're starting the fall um, weekend scrimmages a le- about a week and a half later than they usually start them. Um, but that's the plan is for us to be able to go inside the stadium somehow and watch those fall scrimmages. Um, but we'll see. They are going to be playing yeah. on that field, though. Uh, you know, I, I may I may not be able to resist. I may have to just sneak in myself during one of those fall <laughs> weekends and check out some of it. I, yeah. I mean, I've I've seen over a hundred games in the old Joe, and I just I've been really uh, itching to see the new one and just to see the team and and see who may be stepping up and uh, stepping forward. Uh, well, you, you know, that, that, that that the positions that you were talking about with Chandler Avant and Connor Shore. The second base, shortstop, and third base, that is going to be so – thankfully, we, we've we got several players that are going to be vying right. for those positions. you got Chance Vincent, Daniel Cujan, Chandler Avant, and Connor Short. Um, you know, if, if you're going to have Cody Henry in the game, he's probably going to be over there at first, and Chance Vincent, the great first baseman. So, you know, what do you do there? Chance the great third baseman, and Chance played shortstop all summer – done and performed extremely well in Texas so there's a lot of positions that these guys it's going to be interesting like you know last year you knew exactly where everybody was playing pretty much but this year I really it's going to be a totally different team it really will and and another one to mention, uh, Paige that uh, you know we talked about on your last time on the show but he's someone you haven't seen yet but he's Kobe Vance, the, the true freshman. Yes. He was a 14th-round draft pick. I think a lot of people believe he could be the second baseman, but that's going to play itself out. As you said, Daniel Cujan is also coming back, I believe, for his senior season from Shreveport, Louisiana. So he's mm-hmm. definitely played some, and so he will get a chance. And it's just mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be an exciting time. And uh, in the main, and I want to see the 525 club. I've seen the video. I was talking to Chris Stewart about it at SEC Media Days, and he had been there a couple of weeks before that with a hard hat on and. It's a great mm-hmm. tribute to Dave Magadan, who, uh, of course, I'm not sure anyone will ever uh, break his record for hitting 525 his uh, last year at the Capstone. And then it's a great tribute to him. And, I, and they've got what I love is they a lot of the amenities have a, a, a lot of tributes to the former players that helped build the program. And, and uh, that's going to be a really neat thing to see. I agree. And thank you so much for having me on the show, Drew. And um, also thank you for mentioning Asian Ram. Hopefully that um, – you know, if there's anybody out there that hasn't tried us yet, we're located at Colonnade in Birmingham, Alabama, and we're located um, in Huntsville at Twickenham Place, right across from the hospital. And we have all kinds of food, so it's not just sushi yeah. or, or Asian. We've got some American dishes as well, so come see us. Uh, the great, it's great. Come see them. Great tempura shrimp, uh, great uh, fried rice. I mean, just anything I've tried has been great. The wings are spectacular. Uh, great food at Asian Rim page, and we always appreciate you coming on and 
updating us with Bama baseball. And we know the spring will be here before we know it, and of course the fall before that. And we look forward to to seeing your son and the rest of the guys on the diamond uh, really soon. Thank you. I can't wait. Thank you. And roll tide. Roll tide, Paige. That's Paige Hockman, everyone. Uh, uh, that she just giving us a quick baseball update, letting us know about the summers of uh, Chance Vincent, uh, who has who had a great summer, uh, uh, you know, taking care of business, coming back from the injury, the, uh, the really the shoulder injury that he had late in the Auburn series where he had that collision. But Chance Vincent will be a senior, uh, native of Louisiana, will be uh, in his final campaign. Maybe he can go out uh, and use this summer that he had, the big-time summer, uh, that to, to, and, and have a big-time senior year. I mean, he and Georgie Salem, as we said, obviously uh, Ray Castillo will be a senior. Um, you know, those guys, along with John Keller uh, and Bramlett, and uh, just a, a core group and Will Haney, those are going to be your, in Georgie. They're, Georgie Salem, of course, they're going to be the leaders on your baseball team uh, going into this fall and into the spring. And you hope they can bounce back, get back to a regional uh, very important for Mitch Gaspar. You know, they've built him a $42 million stadium, and now they're going to have to bounce back and get rolling and uh, get back into postseason play. Uh, so uh, he and the staff with Andy Phillips and obviously Dax Norris uh, can uh, stay employed at the capstone because it's going to be very important for them to do that. But we want to thank Paige Hockman for coming on. And now on the hotline with us uh, is a great friend of this show, frequent contributor, and one of the busiest men in all of Tuscaloosa, with fall camp rolling and, of course, two-a-days starting this week. Uh, talked to him on Sunday, spent some time with him in the press box, and that's Rodney Orr of TiderInsider.com, the founder and owner of the longest-running website and the most accurate uh, in if you're covering Crimson Tide sports. And Rodney, how are you tonight? Well, Drew, I appreciate all those nice comments. I'm doing well. Yeah, Rodney, and i, I got to tell you, everybody's getting a little anxious and, uh, you know, with everything that's been said and, and speculated. And, of course, uh, being in Tuscaloosa the last Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I got to see firsthand uh, the first nuclear bomb of fall camp, which, thank goodness, was a, was fizzled out in the end. And that was Cameron Robinson, uh, the left tackle, the sophomore from Monroe, Louisiana, who, wow, I mean, he, 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 Alabama has been very fortunate in a lot of ways, Rodney. They dodged two bullets uh, with Ashawn Robinson. Uh, in the spring and last fall uh, camp, and now this time it's Cameron Robinson. And luckily, much like uh, Ashawn a couple of times, got rolled up, but uh, is, a, is extremely a t- I think the biggest thing I learned about Cameron Robinson is just how tough he really is. I, I knew he had a lot of toughness for a young player, bouncing back from the high ankle sprain and the surgery against uh, at the end of the Tennessee contest to practice for two weeks and play against LSU and really play out most of that rest of the season. But now he, uh, he sprained his knee slightly and then doesn't really he, – he didn't take every rep, but he practiced on Sunday. So Alabama very fortunate because uh, Cameron Robinson, to me, is one of the two or three guys that's irreplaceable. Oh, he, to me, he is the guy. And, uh, you know, when I first learned of it, of course, you know, we – we don't get to watch all the practices except for last Sunday, but it was on Saturday when this occurred. And, you know, when I first got the text that there had been a major injury, the implication was that it was somebody that could significantly change the season. I, I, the first, My first thought had was Cam Robinson. I mean, he's the one guy that you cannot lose 
Uh, you know, Alabama does not have any depth at the left tackle spot. It's a very difficult right. position to play. And, uh, you know, they are certainly working some guys there and some guys that have a lot of potential. And uh, But, you know, you can't afford to lose a Cam Robinson. No, no, Nobody really can. Yeah, you can really can't, Rodney. He, arguably, he could be the best tackle in the country, offensive tackle that is. And I don't know if you saw this, but SEC Network had Booger McFarlane, who I respect, was a great player at LSU, won two Super Bowls with the, the Bucks and the Colts. And he ranked the top five non-quarterbacks who uh, could not be hurt in the SEC. They were indispensable in the SEC. He didn't name Leonard Fournette, which was a surprise. Uh, because Leonard Fournette, he he said LSU had tailback depth, but Leonard Fournette's special. But the biggest shocker was he left Cam Robinson off that top five. And to me, yeah. as you just got through saying, he, he is somebody that Alabama, they do not have a, a successor for him right now, and they cannot afford to lose him for any length of time. Yeah. Uh, now, are you talking about Booger McFarland's the top five he had? Was that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I saw that, and I was surprised. I thought uh, – I thought – Cam Robinson might be his number one guy, but uh, I, I don't. Yeah, I, exactly. I don't really remember his top five, but I'm. Uh, I certainly would question not having Cam Robinson as one of the five most important guys for his particular team. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 we can speak more on the offensive line because uh, now that they've dodged the bullet and Cam is uh has continued to practice, hearing good things about the first five, Rodney. Uh, you know there was some. A little bit of consternation on the lot on the right side, but everyone knows that Dominic Jackson can be a dominant run blocker. Needs to improve with his pass protection. Uh, there's been a lot of people worried about right guard, but I never really was. I've always been very confident in what I saw out of Bradley Bozeman at both center and uh, guard last year. And I talked to him at media day. He was very, very uh, complimentary of Ryan Kelly and Kelly's leadership and helping him last year. He got thrown into the fires. Everybody remembers against Ole Miss and struggled a little bit, but really settled down, played well against Texas A&M, and I thought really played well in spots, especially against Tennessee. And uh, I really believe this is time to shine, and I don't expect him to be a weak link. Well, I, I think certainly he did do a lot of the things you're talking about, did them well, you know, when he had to come in and he was thrown into a bad situation. But I thought he really matured and developed pretty quickly, did a nice job for what he was asked to do, and um, I think he he has all those tools you talked about. He's a, he's a big physical kid who's really, really strong, maybe the strongest player overall on the team, certainly one of the top three or four. Um, you know, he's got the right mindset, and I think uh, he's a guy that matches up really well on the right side with Dominic Jackson because I think both of those guys are run road graders. You know, they'll line yeah. up and just – kind of manhandle people at the line of scrimmage. And I think that really bodes well for Alabama, what they want to do and physically dominate the line of scrimmage and establish the running game again. And um, I think that, you know, those two guys fit that really well. Yeah, they really do. And I know you're very, very high, as am I, on uh, Ross Piercebacher, uh, this redshirt freshman from Iowa. He had a very solid spring, Rodney, and looks to be settling in at left guard and you don't want to put too much pressure on him, but I think he'll contend for a freshman All-SEC honor, in my opinion, after what I've seen. And I know, you're again, that you, you've been very impressed as well. Yeah, he's a really good athlete. Uh, he uh, maybe needs to get a little bigger and stronger, but he's still young. And 
Uh, I think, again, he's, he's very athletic. He's a guy that can play a lot of positions, so he has versatility. He's very important in that regard because he could slide out to tackle. He could actually probably, you know, play either tackle if he needed to or either guard and probably could even play center if he had to. I think he's, he even worked there some when he right after he first got here. So, you know, I think he's an outstanding player. I think, uh, you know, anytime you can come in and start as a redshirt freshman at Alabama on the offensive line, that tells you a little bit of something about, you know, his ability. And uh, I think he's going to be outstanding. And I think he's, you know, a little bit – I've heard some people just that have seen a lot of him that have kind of said, you know, he reminded them of Mike Johnson, who was an outstanding player, as you remember, and and also yeah. it had some Barrett Jones in him, you know, with that versatility. So I thought those were two pretty good. And, again, I don't think it was necessarily comparisons. It was just an idea of his style. And uh, I think he's got a chance to be, you know, uh, an outstanding player. I don't really want to say he's going to be one of those two guys, but he, he <laughs> certainly has a lot of potential. And finally, on the offensive line, I thought the most encouraging part that I heard this weekend and saw – and, again, he's going to provide depth this year, and I don't believe they're going to count on him to play a significant role. But I, in future seasons, starting in 2016, I think he will. And that's Lester Cotton, who looks to have reshaped his body, Rodney. And he's been uh, worked at, at left tackle, which I think is encouraging because if he can hang in there, you feel pretty good about him moving either to the right side at OT or even inside. Again, another guy that's versatile. Uh, he has done really good, really well, I should say, and um, his opportunities to, to kind of work at left tackle this fall or in August, and so he's done well there, and he could play go- either guard spot, he could play right tackle. Some people think that his natural position might be right tackle. Other people think maybe he's going to actually end up, a, uh, um, end up a, a right guard, you know, so you know, we'll see, but he's certainly a guy that's, uh, again, another very talented young offensive lineman. And, you know, while we're talking about him, and Drew, you can maybe throw out some names if I forget any, but, you know, we know about Josh Casher, who's out with that torn pectoral muscle. I think Brandon Kennedy, another freshman, has looked really good. And of course, Josh is a redshirt freshman, but Brandon Kennedy has looked, in my opinion, looks like he's really made some progress at center. You know, just watching him, looking at him physically. I think he's a guy that could, you know, at some point be a really good player. And we know about Dallas Warmack too. Both those guys, Kennedy and Warmack, early enrollees. I really like Richie Pettibone. Had an opportunity to watch him, I think it was yesterday, uh, quite a bit. And um, was really impressed with his uh, base. He's, he's really got a strong foundation, his legs and his, you know, um, I think that when you look at that foundation that he has, it certainly uh, it, it lends well to him getting bigger and stronger and uh, doing the things that he needs to do in terms of power, you know, as an interior offensive lineman. Yeah, and and I really like the the look so far, Rodney. We hadn't seen too much of him on the field. He's been bring, being brought along slowly. He'll redshirt for sure. But Matt Womack, you know, passes the eye test. Very tall kid. Not a lot of bad weight on him. Uh, looks like he can move pretty well and looks like somebody in future seasons, especially will be watched closely this spring, but he is going to be in the mix at right tackle and be someone that's going to be competing and going to, at the very least, push who's there with him. 
Yeah, Matt Womack is a very big guy. I mean, he certainly is, and uh, he has really worked hard. He's got himself. He's, he's made himself into a um, much better player through his losing weight, you know, and really kind of concentrating himself in the weight room. And he's he's a focused kid, and he doesn't like to talk a lot, as you remember through the recruiting process, but. He certainly does everything he can to to make himself, you know, a good football player and improve himself. And I think, you know, you really hope that, uh, you know, he he can develop the way uh, his potential suggests. And one one other position, and you know, that I was impressed with before we uh, attack the elephant in the room, so to speak. But uh, I, I was really I really liked what I saw out of some of the tight ends, and I know there's been a lot of people. Uh, that's been uh, the Alabama Nation has kind of been uh, uh, pining for the return of Michael Williams after two, since 2012. They've had trouble. Vogler was uh, inconsistent at sealing the edge in the running game, but uh, I was I really like what I've seen. Of course, I think OJ Howard is going to take on a bigger role. Hopefully, he's mature uh, physically and mentally. But the, the two that have encouraged me the most are Dakota Ball. We've talked about him. I thought he had a good spring so far. I thought he's had a strong fall. He's positioning himself for playing time. And then a, a kid that's a redshirt freshman that you and I talked about, he, he won't win any races, uh, but he has an excellent size at over 300 pounds. But the thing that's amazing is if the ball's near him, he catches it. He looks like he's, got, he's, a, he's a good athlete because we talked about he was a really good high school basketball player, and that's Johnny Dwight of Rochelle, Georgia. They have a real interesting group of guys. Uh, you mentioned most of them. O.J. Howard and, you know, is very athletic. We know how gifted he is as, and can be as a receiver, and he's developing as a blocker, uh, has a great attitude. Um, I really like O.J. Howard and the potential that he has. And then you have the guys you mentioned, Johnny Dwight, who's 300-plus pounds. He, he's more athletic than what you would think. Uh, he moves pretty well. I think maybe if you put a clock on him, he wouldn't run very fast. But if you watch him run when he's running routes, he's smooth. He's fluid for his size. He's an excellent athlete. He was a very good high school basketball player with good hands. So, you know, he's a guy that maybe you can load up and run the football. If he can get all of his blocking assignments down, that would be huge. Um, you mentioned uh, a couple of other guys, and, I think you, you even left off a couple that I'd like to mention, the Hell Hinches, the true freshman, yes. who actually Good point. looks a little bit better physically than what I thought he looked like in the All-American game. I've been impressed mm-hmm. with the way he looks, and I know that O.J. Howard and some of the other players have been very impressed with how quickly he's picked up on things and how well he's doing. So he's a guy that could be a, a contributor pretty quickly, too, if needed. And then I, I really like the emergence and development of Dakota Ball. Uh, here's yeah, a guy that about, was yep. coming out of high school, was a defensive lineman, and everybody knew he had the ability to play different positions, whether it be defensive line, maybe offensive guard, maybe even center. You know, people speculated, and now he's uh, developed into a uh, somewhat of a tight end for Alabama right now. And He's really worked hard on his receiving. He runs routes pretty well. He catches the ball. Uh, he's, a, he's a very, very willing blocker, loves to block. He's a physical kid, has the right kind of mentality. I, I think he's going to be a very, very solid player for Alabama as things move along. He's going to be very, a very good contributor to Alabama and what they do running the football, and, and he'll even 
you know, catch a few passes. Yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, I think, as I said earlier, I think he's positioning himself uh, for some major playing time and a major role, Dakota Ball. We all remember during the recruiting process what his high school coach talked about with he and his mother getting up early to run or yeah. run to run and do conditioning around their high school track because he felt like he didn't play as hard as he could have played uh, or as well during a game. So Dakota Ball, you know, he was you know kind of buried on the depth chart at defensive line, same with Johnny Dwight, but they both look like they may have found a home. And as you said, Hell Hinges uh, looks like definitely a force in the future, uh, elite talent uh, out of the state of Missouri one of the best tight ends in the country in last year's recruiting 2015 recruiting class. But now we got to attack the elephant in the room a little bit. You know, we all thought Blake Barnett looked very, very good uh, at the Sunday practice, but it was one practice. Uh, it was pretty much a consensus that Alec Morris surprised some people and made some very nice throws. Uh, and then Jake Coker, uh, the incumbent, he made some really nice throws, Rodney, but then he was just erratic uh, and inaccurate at times, missed on some he's got to make. And then, uh, to me, the biggest disappointment, and it's one practice, but David Cornwell really, really did not play well. And then, of course, Cooper Bateman. But as crazy as this is, Rodney, I got a practice report late last night that Cooper Bateman actually did play practice well in the evening practice yesterday. So this is truly wide open. It sounded like all five of them struggled at times last night. And really and truly, these scrimmages on the next two Saturdays are going to be huge to see who finally steps up and uh, – and, and takes control of this team and and, uh, and and becomes the quarterback in 2015. And yeah, and I think really evaluations probably would be better held until after you know this Saturday and and then the next Saturday the two scrimmages to kind of get him an idea of you know as Coach Saban said how the guys perform you know when the bullets are flying and uh, you know I think to all of those guys have shown some. You know, had some good moments. Uh, they th- all of them have thrown the ball well at times, and all of them have had some some bad moments. And you know, I <clears throat> I, I think that uh, you know right now you would have to say that Jacob Coker's probably the guy who would have the best opportunity to win the job if he continues to, or if he you know can show that. He can manage things consistently well, not turn the ball over, not make mistakes. I think then he would be the guy that you would expect to be the quarterback starting against Wisconsin. Now, uh, if, if somebody else comes and takes the job uh, or if Jacob Coker just fell flat on his face and uh, other guys proved to be you know, better at managing the offense, then I think it's definitely open. I think it, there's no question about that, you know. But, uh, again, I do think that, uh, Drew, that the most important thing are these next two scrimmages or these two upcoming scrimmages to kind of get an idea of where things really stand. Yeah, I, I agree with the quarterback situation, no doubt about it. But I think we have no doubt that this offense should be tailored around the O-line and the running backs. and. Uh, what we saw from them was very impressive Sunday, Rodney, and what, we've, what you've seen uh, during the media viewing period. Uh, it looks to be like Derrick Henry seems primed for a fine year. We know King and Drake is going to be versatile and can, as, a, as a runner and receiver. I know he spent a lot of time with the receivers today. We, uh, we you, you know, Alabama, the, the Alabama Nation believes, you know, the things they know, what they're going to get out of King and Drake. Very explosive player. 
just has to be able to get him the football in space and let him make plays. But I, it's very exciting to see Damian Harris. I thought he was very impressive Sunday, and uh, I know he's been impressive when you've got a chance to see him during these practices. He looks ready physically, and uh, it looks like, uh, barring uh, you know a, an injury or a setback, he's going to play a prominent role this year. I think he certainly can play a big role, and, and I think you know they would love to use Kenyon Drake in a variety of ways as a receiver now. As far as him spending time at receiver, he, he has certainly worked at that spot since the spring. You know, he has worked there. They've moved him around. You know, so him practicing, you know, at, at different spots is nothing new. But I think they really want to use him, you know, in a lot of versatile ways. Now, I don't know if they're going to, you know, maybe consider him to return kicks. I know he was back there among a group of, you know, 10 or 12 guys on Sunday. Uh, but it would be interesting to see him as a kickoff return guy because he could be lethal uh, with his ability, and uh, that's going to be really interesting to see if they'll – I don't know if risk it is the right word, but, you know, he's coming off that major injury, and uh, it's going to be really interesting to see the different ways they try to use him. No doubt, Rodney. And, of course, the quarterback situation needs to play itself out because it looks like he will have weapons. Uh, you know, our Darius Stewart – as Coach Saban said today to the media uh, after practice, has been the most consistent receiver. We've all thought he had elite talent. And as Lane Kiffin said Sunday, he was starting to work his way into someone that they game plan to get the ball to, especially against Mississippi State. But he was injured and uh, did not finish the year as they'd hoped. Uh, but, again, they're counting on him. Robert Foster, they need him to be more consistent. He drew the ire of Lane Kiffin on Sunday. Needs to step up, needs to show toughness and consistency. Uh, on a day-in, day-out basis, he has elite ability. Uh, Chris Black, you know, you kind of feel sorry for the kid. He's still going to be counted on, but he's had he continues to be snake bit with injuries. He's been out with a little bit of a tweaked ankle that he got stepped on, but he should be back soon. I thought Richard Mullaney uh, showed some pretty good hands a couple of times, but the real uh, encouraging sign, of course, was Calvin Ridley, watching him move, the speed, the smoothness, uh, the size, the hands and then Daylon Charlotte. Both of those uh, uh, kids look like they're going to be preeminent factors uh, this year. Uh, Raheem Falcons is out with an injury right now, but even if he were healthy, uh, there's a lot of talent at wide receiver, and it looks like they have a chance to have some depth. Yeah, it really does. And, and you know, they've got some young, exciting guys, and you mentioned some of them and many of them, and it's going to be interesting to see how Mullaney, the transfer from Oregon State, <laughs> what kind of role he develops. Uh, you know, we think our Darius Stewart's a guy that even Coach Saban said today that, you know, he kind of needs to be the guy that's the next man at wide receiver, and I think he certainly has that ability. We knew that last year. He's an outstanding talent. Robert Foster, you mentioned him. Uh, and and I, I think that uh, Ridley, it's going to be really interesting because he's got a lot of speed and quickness. I think he's going to play. I really like Dalen Charlotte also, the other freshman. I think he's got a chance to be an excellent player. I just don't know how soon he's going to contribute. But, you know, he, he could be a guy that also figures in. So, you know, we'll see. But they have a lot of guys that uh, kind of to choose from. And and uh, I think they've got to have it. They're going to have a shot to be a solid core. But, you know, again, it's, it's, uh, it's going to go back to having somebody who can get the ball to them. 
Uh, Rodney, shifting to the other side of the ball real quick. Uh, obviously, last year, the uh, back end of the defense, the secondary was, well, let's call it what it was. It was shredded. What have you seen and what have you heard from the first weeks of, first week of fall camp? Do you think that that's going to change with the addition of Mel Tucker and the extra competition in Mika Fitzpatrick and Kendall Sheffield? Well, I think you're right. I think by mentioning Mel Tucker first, that's uh, that's the place to start. I think he's going to do an outstanding job. I think even Coach Saban said that you know Kirby Smart felt more comfortable coordinating things from linebacker rather than back at, you know back there in the back end. And I think Mel Tucker is going to be the first big uh, improvement, if you will, if you want to phrase it like that, or certainly be very helpful to the improvement in the secondary. And and I think when you look at it, you look at Cyrus Jones had an outstanding year last year, and I think he's only going to build upon that this year. I think, you know, they have several guys that, that have an opportunity to be really good. Tony Brown, has, I think he's had a pretty good camp till he had the injury, uh, you know, and I think he'll be okay. Marlon Humphrey, of course, has been out. But uh, I think Bradley Sylvie is another guy that towards the end of the year last year, was really good. I mean, he was outstanding. He had some really good moments, and he's certainly going to be in the mix too. And you know, we're talking about the two, the freshman Kendall Sheffield and and Minka Fitzpatrick. I, you know, Minka has really made a splash early, and I think he's going to be a, a really good, solid contributor this year. He could be really, really good. And Sheffield's an outstanding talent too. Coach Saban actually said after practice today that. Uh, you know, right now, Minka's really grasping things really well, and he's grasping all the concepts and, and the things they want to do defensively, and it's certainly helping him to progress. And, you know, Kendall Sheffield is a, just, a like we said, a, a tremendous talent. But, you know, right now he's still trying to grasp some of the things that, uh, you know, he's got to do some of his responsibilities. But I think they feel like once he does and once he, you know, feels comfortable, he's going to be a, a guy who can really contribute. Um, and then on the back end, you know, there's been some question at safety, you know, exactly how, how that's going to work out. And with Eddie Jackson moving back there, I, I think Eddie has a chance to be a really good safety. I think he's a really tremendous athlete. And I thought, you know, one time he was going to be an outstanding player at the corner position. Didn't quite, you know, work out after the knee injury. But I think keep an eye on Eddie Jackson. Geno Smith's been around a while. He has a pretty good feel of what's going on. And the guy, of course, everybody's talking about is a potential, you know, star player of the future, and could really make a strong contribution this year. Is Ronnie Harrison, the freshman out of Tallahassee. So, to answer your question, I've kind of gone through a lot of those players, and and I don't want to forget Maurice Smith at the star position. I think this is the year he kind of steps up and really becomes a guy who makes a strong contribution as a junior. So you take all of those guys. And I think they're going to be an improved secondary. And, again, under Mel Tucker, I think, you know, his tutelage is certainly something that's going to be important for them. And um, so to answer your question, yeah, I think they're going to be much better in the secondary. And the other part of that, sorry, Drew. I just, no, go ahead, Thomas. A lot of what I feel like when it comes to defending the the, uh, the modern college game with the, the spread outlook is you need versatility on the front seven. Obviously, the mm -hmm. front seven is going to be very stout, but looking at how players have continued to develop 
do you think we're going to see more not so much bulk and see a little bit more speed, which is what you kind of need to defend that kind of offense? What's your take on that? Well, I, I think that's a good point, but I'll say this too now. You know, you, you you really can't sacrifice one for the other because, you know, you've got some teams that you play like LSU and Arkansas that are, and then even Georgia, they're going to line up and physically pound it. So you've got to have, as you know, those guys, the A'shaun Robinsons, Jaron Reed, uh, you know, Dalvin Tomlinson, uh, those types of guys, Josh Frazier, Darren Lake. Um, you know, you have to have those strong interior players, which they do. And then you have to have some guys on the outside who can really, you know, are athletic enough to, to hold the point um, or to strong enough to play, you know, at the point of attack, but also, you know, have the ability to run guys like a DJ Petway or even a Jonathan Allen or a Deshaun Hand or, you know, if you want to say a Tim Williams, uh, Rashawn Evans, uh, Christian Miller, all of those guys, you know, you're talking about three players there, Tim Williams, Rashawn Evans, and, you know, Christian Miller that probably didn't play much last year. They played some, of course, but I think this year they're probably ready to play more. Maybe even Deshaun Hand's ready to play some more too. And, you know, he's athletic and can move. Um, so I think they have a combination of guys that they can utilize for the situations, the different situations that they'll face, I think that's that's the key. Now, you know, again, I know that the coaching staff would really really is trying to get more players that are capable of doing both. You know, so they 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 don't really have to substitute as much because it's almost impossible to substitute with as fast as these teams are going now. So you can't really sometimes change your personnel and get the personnel in that you want to get in because of the pace of the game. So, you know, they're recruiting more to that versatility. Yeah, they really, they really are, Rodney. I agree. And and uh, and now uh, we are joined uh, by my co-host, Kerry uh, Clark, who has been, I'll call it, on assignment uh, at the Bright Star, listening to Cecil Hurt tonight. And I know he wanted to get your take on a couple of issues on the defensive side of the ball or personnel or some personnel. Go ahead, Kerry. You're with Rodney. Well, I don't know what he's already been asked, so I'm afraid to ask anything. <laughs> well, we just we just started talking about defensively. Uh, you know, we've we've covered the secondary a little bit, Kerry. You know, we've, we've talked about uh, the defensive line and how versatile some of those pieces can be. As Rodney was saying, Deshaun Hand looks to play a bigger role. A lot of depth on the defensive front uh, to be able to combat the hurry-up, no-huddle uh, offenses. And also, uh, we were, in, you know, I was gonna, we were gonna talk about Dylan Lee because Dylan's a senior, uh, and I know you got a chance to, you, you spoke with him uh, at SCC uh, at the fan, or I should say, media day, uh, Alabama's media day, and he's he's someone that's been a, a stalwart special teams player for three years, but looks to play a bigger role defensively in his final campaign. Oh yeah, and they, uh, Kirby Smart. Uh, called him a man of a, of a lot of positions or something like that, the man of many positions, because Dylan plays inside in the nickel and dime, outside at Sam in the base, and uh, he, he knows the defense inside and out, and he's a guy that, you know, this is the last go-round for Dylan, and he's had some issues off the field for sure, but the times that he's been on the field, for the most part, he's been a solid contributor, and He's doing all a, a big senior year, and I'm, I'm hoping he does. It was, that was my first time to do a one-on-one with him 
this past Sunday. And maybe I'll send that to Thomas. We can cut it up a little bit and play some of it next week. But uh, very well-spoken young man, very encouraging young man, and a guy that uh, has earned the trust of the coaches and Kirby Smart and Nick Saban. And I think he's going to be playing a, a huge role this year in every formation they run, really. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> and Rodney, it looks like that he will play a prominent role both in the nickel and in base at Sam Linebacker. But it also looks as though – uh, they're developing some depth at inside linebacker. We know about Reggie Ragland. Could, could easily should be an All-American should he stay healthy. Uh, one of the best, Kirby Smart said, one of the best to play at Alabama during their time at the Capstone. But Reuben Foster really looks uh, good thus far and looks to be taking that next step. But then there's two guys behind them, Keith Holcomb and, and Sean Dion Hamilton, and look like they're going to be fine players as well. Yeah, I, I think certainly, you know, Sean Dion Hamilton is is a guy who, as a freshman last year, really kind of grasped things very quickly. I think that uh, his role will increase this year. They're certainly going to need him. And uh, I think Keith Holcomb in time is going to be a really good player. Um, you know, I think Keith still probably needs to get a little bit bigger, but he's very, very fast. You know, he's decent size, 215, 220, whatever, but um, – He's a very good athlete. He's a very, very strong tackler. Um, you know, has a really good instinctive head for the game. And uh, I think he's going to be uh, helpful this year in, in some ways, probably even on special teams especially. But, um, you know, I, I think that those four guys inside are, are really good. And, you know, Dylan Lee plays inside in some packages, which they mainly line up in the nickel uh, most of the time, so or majority of the time. So, I think Dylan Lee will be, you know, you'll see him in there obviously quite a bit on the uh, in that in that package. Well, uh, absolutely, Rodney, and I think I think we are out of questions for you after after you've spent a good solid almost forty five minutes talking to us about the fall. Drew, do you have anything else? Well, I was just going to say I agree with what Rodney's thoughts there. The one I'm also very excited. I think he'll basically be a special teams contributor this year. I don't think he'll red shirt, but you know, here at Reggie Ragland, I spoke to him at Media Day, and he had some things to say about tutoring Adonis Thomas and trying to help he and Keaton Anderson. I think both those guys could be special team stalwarts this year uh, and then future guys that contributed inside linebacker. But he talked about telling both of them not to get frustrated because it took him a full two years uh, before and really the spring of his junior year before he felt comfortable mentally. Uh, but I think he'll be excellent, an excellent tutor and uh, someone to help bring along Adonis Thomas and Keaton Anderson. And I know Rodney feels like I do that both of those guys in the future could be fine players. Yeah, Keaton Anderson's another guy that we didn't mention. Saw him today, and he's legit in terms of his size. He has gotten bigger, Drew. He's definitely, you know, 220, 25-pound kid now. I mean, he looks really good. And I want to go back to something Kerry pointed out real quick. And I'll do this real quickly because I know you're running out of time. But Kerry pointed out in a in a story uh, on on the linebackers that you know Tim Williams and, and I think he actually got this as a quote from Denzel Duvall that Tim Williams is two sixty plus now that he's gotten bigger wow. and yeah he looks and thicker I, yes I think that kind of generated a little bit of a an argument or, or or dispute on the internet some people didn't believe that he was too, I saw him today actually I, I actually took you know zeroed in on him kind of get a better glance at him. I hadn't really noticed him 
necessarily looked at it that closely, but he has definitely put on some size. And a lot of it's been in his lower body. His legs are much thicker than they were last year. And uh, so he's definitely, carries right, he's definitely added some size and still has his, you know, athleticism, his speed, and his quickness. Yes, he really does. And and it's amazing how people will question someone who's seen uh, someone live in practice and up close. But sometimes people have a hard time with reality uh, in this world. It's a sad thing. But, uh, but, you know, but I think Tim Williams can be a force this year. I would not be shocked if he had double digits in sacks, even as a third-down specialist. Rodney, we've seen his explosiveness and his speed, and I know Tosh LePoy has been passionately coaching him up because I think he can see his talent. But I do think, beyond a shadow of a doubt, the position that I'm most excited about defensively, and I think this group has a chance to be special, but if Tosh LePoy, I think the group is talented, but it just hasn't had – uh, enough of the ability brought out in the, each individual uh, player uh, at both Sam and Jack. But I think Tosh Blue Poy is poised uh, to uh, bring out some uh, some ability and some guys that, you know, has been there but just not utilized. And I'm really excited about him as a coach and that position group as a whole. It really seems that, uh, you know, he certainly has gotten the players' attention. Uh, he really is does an outstanding job on the field coaching Drew, you can tell that, you know, he's always instructing. He's always, uh, I mean, that guy, he is uh, very impressive. If you get a chance on RollTide.com, they have a practice video that they posted uh, here recently with Tosh LaFoy and the outside linebackers going through drills. That gives you a really good idea of, of, you know, how he comes across as a coach and just kind of how he relates to the players on the field. I think he's, I think this guy is one of the bright young coaches not only at Alabama or in the SEC, but in the country, because he is he's noted as a great recruiter, but I think he's a lot better coach than what people think in terms of on the field. Right, and before we let you go, I, I, I got to share. Go ahead, Kerry. I'm sorry. Before we let you go, I got to share a story with, with all three of y'all that I heard tonight. Before Cecil got up to talk, there was a guy at my table that had been to uh, one of the golf tournaments that Nick Saban played in not too long ago, and he got a chance just for a minute to talk to Coach Saban side-by-side, you know, kind of one-on-one. And I think Rodney will get a kick out of this. Back on Easter, they had a big Easter egg hunt at Saban's house on Lake Tuscaloosa, and they invited one-, two-, and three-year-old kids that were friends of the family because, of course, you know, the granddaughter was kind of like the little hostess, and, so the kids are all out there hunting Easter eggs, and Saban is so uber competitive, he noticed that his little granddaughter wasn't finding as many eggs as some of the other kids were, and it ticked him off. So he started hiding the other kids' eggs, like high places where he couldn't reach them or places they'd never think to look. Just so his granddaughter would start finding more eggs, and she ended up getting her share of it. I just thought that was so damn funny. <laughs> oh, maybe I didn't. Maybe I didn't. It was funny. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, that just shows, goes to show you, no matter if it's an Easter egg hunt, a football practice, a uh, basketball game during the week and they're in their league, uh, anything, Coach Saban's competitiveness runs for uh, uh, you know, uh, in overdrive all the time, and that's why he's who he is. That's why he's Nick Saban. 
no doubt about it. And uh, obviously, uh, Rodney, uh, you gave us a great 40 minutes tonight. We really enjoyed the segment, as always, and the great information and your take on fall camp thus far. And uh, we really, and, and again, uh, we, we, we feel like you have the preeminent source, along with Bama Magazine, uh, with Crimson Tide Sports and Athletics. We want to thank you uh, for being on the show with us tonight, and we know you'll be on BAMS again soon. But thanks for taking the time. I know uh, it's very busy and very tiring covering fall camp, and uh, we thank you for uh, taking the time out tonight to be with us. Drew and Kerry, as always, and Thomas, as always, I, I do appreciate it, and you guys have a good one. Thanks, Rodney. Thank you, Rodney. That's Rodney Orr, everyone. Uh, joining us tonight on the uh, on BAMS Radio, Kerry Clark now with us. And, Kerry, uh, I know uh, you uh, had a, a, a nice meal, of course, and gleaned some info from one of the other preeminent sources, Cecil Hurd at the Bright Star. Well, the info was better than the meal. It was kind of a generic meal where they did not give us a baked potato, they did not give us any dessert, and the tea, wow. we got tea, uh, a Greek combo, uh, a salad, and the tip was included, and all that cost forty bucks. So, but uh, yeah, you know, it wasn't the best meal I've ever had there. But it was good fellowship, and uh, you know, Cecil didn't really want anything that he said shared publicly. But I will tell one thing that I don't think he'll mind me telling because apparently some other people already know this, and. He spoke for about 40 minutes, I guess, maybe 45 minutes. And there toward the end, Drew, he started getting basketball questions. And he said, and I didn't know this, but it explains a lot. That makes a lot more sense when I tell you. Kobe Eubanks is actually trying to pass a class or two right now that he's going to need to pass before the clearinghouse is going to let him in. And I don't know if it's an online class. It may be an online class. He didn't specify but I didn't realize that. I thought he was just sitting there waiting to be cleared because – but apparently the hay is not all on the bar yet. Yes, and uh, I will say I heard today from a, one of my best sources that, that talks to someone in compliance that he is not qualified as of yet, and he probably is uh, trying to get those classes done. That makes a lot of sense. He's uh, still got some work to do. He may or may not make it. It's uh, As of right now, uh, he's, he wasn't expected to, but if he could pass those classes, uh, he may, it may be that he, get, if, if he can get to the clearinghouse. It may not be until January that he can get into Alabama. Hopefully uh, it can be expedited if he passes these classes, and he may have a delayed enrollment of a couple of weeks, but hopefully Kobe Eubanks will eventually be at Alabama. But as of right now, yes, you're, that is 100% accurate. We were going to kind of talk about that tonight. I had heard that today, but – uh, now to have it reinforced by Cecil Hurt, uh, it, it's uh, it's discouraging, but hopefully he can still get it done. Well, and the drop dead deadline is a little bit different for athletes, from what I've been told, uh, even before yeah. tonight. The, the, the students enroll the 19th of this month, right? Uh, but there's about a 10 to 12 day deadline that extends past the first day of enrollment, and if he can get qualified by, I think they probably take him as late as you know, the day after Labor Day, if he could get qualified and get him started in classes oh, and all. no question they would. Yeah, you're right about that. They would, they would rate, they, the first week of September, if they could do that, yeah, there's no question uh, that they would take Kobe Eubanks at that point, and they need Kobe Eubanks. And it's not time to jump off the bridge yet, but, you know, he's still got some work to do. A lot of people 
have jumped off the river bridge on some websites that I've seen, and uh, they've basically given up. But it's not over yet. Let's see what happens. And uh, Kobe has struggled throughout his uh, career to get eligible. He didn't with Baylor, but hopefully uh, he will be able to, to get eligible and, and get rolling. But, you know, before we take our one break of the night, everybody, uh, we want to go uh, to the phone lines, and we have our our usual caller from the the, uh, the 334, and that is the legend himself, Colin Big C. McGuire from Greenville, Alabama, who is going to come on and give us his take on early fall camp and what he's hearing from his neck of the woods. And I had to, and I was going to ask him a question as well because I had uh, my, my show today on Talking Ball. It's my War Eagle Wednesday. Had to get the Auburn talk uh, out of the way for the week, most of it anyway. And there seems yeah, to be a report out time. there. I'm sorry, guys. I was going to say, Big C, before you, the first question for you, there's a report out there Marlon Davidson may be about to commit in early September, and Albert's feeling pretty good about it. What are you hearing in your neck of the woods? Well, I can tell you an interesting story. I'm glad you asked that question. Um, last night on Channel Clay, the WSFA TV out of Montgomery, they said he was going to commit on September the 4th. That's the Friday before the opening right. game of the season. Mm-hmm. I said he wants to get it out of the way, but I want to tell y'all something that's very interesting, in my opinion it is. Yesterday, the Kiwanis Club here in Greenville, they have an annual meeting called the it's called Coach's Corner. And what it is, they'll invite the four co- coaches in the county. you got Georgiana, McKenzie, then you got Fort Dale in Greenville here in Greenville. you got two schools out in the county, two schools in town. And they bring at least two or three senior players with them. All right, Fort Dale brought five offensive linemen there, and then, then the other two players brought guys with them. And then Greenville brought, brought two of them with them, but one of them that wasn't with them was Marlon Davidson, which to me is sort of odd. You got a guy that's a five-star prospect. I don't know if Greenville High School's ever had a five-star prospect uh, here in town, uh, plus I don't know what, what Tommy Powell would have been rated back then, and they didn't rate him back then. But anyway, uh, I'm the Ohio Powell, I don't know what, when he played at Alabama, Michael Fagan, what they would have been rated as. But anyway, he wasn't there, so I finally decided to ask the coach the question. I said, where's Marlon today? He said, he's at home. He's going to stay there. So, I don't know, I find it sort of odd you got – Everybody in the county brings their best players. You know, the city and the county brings their best players to this meeting. And here's a guy that's a five-star prospect who is also a, a, a one of the top three players in the whole state of Alabama. And I don't know, where where would he be rated as in the nation, y'all? Y'all can fuck with it better than I do. Is he like the number one or two or three defensive lineman in the whole country? Or where, where is he at on that level? Uh, well, I, I think Big C, honestly, he's probably among the top 25 in the country. and Most people think the best player in the state of Alabama. Of course, it's hard to tell. He's, you know, since the move from Carver, he had a really good year at Carver last year. Moved back to Greenville. No, not sure what kind of spring he had. He hasn't really been a big-time presence on the summer camp scene. But, again, most people, I think he's an elite player. Uh, and that I know the uh, the Auburn uh, the, the the people I talked to today who cover it for a living, uh, Jason Caldwell and Brian Matthews are very confident 
that Auburn's put themselves in a solid position. But as we've seen, uh, Big C, in recruiting, you never know. And he does have a close relationship with Lydell Mack Wilson, who is not being you know recruited heavily by Auburn anymore because he's likely headed to the University of Alabama. And I know there was a picture on Twitter today. I think Lydell put out a picture of him and Marlin taken back in the spring before he decided to go back to Greenville when they were, uh, I think, uh, at, the one, at the Under Armour game. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see uh, where Marlon Davis, and if he chooses to commit early, and if he does go ahead and jump on board with Auburn, or could he, he shock Auburn and uh, have a worse reaction than Rayshon Evans? Well, I think this is what I'm thinking. And I don't, I'm, this is me thinking. I ain't talking to nobody. I'm thinking he's going to commit to them, and then later on he can change his mind. That's my thinking. I'm not saying he will. But that's my prediction on that. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Gary. Well, I think it makes a lot of sense for him to commit to Auburn next Friday. Oh, sorry, Friday, September 4th. And uh, that gets the the pressure off his back. And then, you know, who's to say what's going to happen in February when he actually has to put a pen to paper? We've seen it before. I mean, T.J. Yeldon and so many others, I, you know, just because they commit to Auburn in September don't, mind, don't mean they're going to sign with Auburn in February. All I know is, you know, <laughs> but, yeah, you know, I was brother, and that's all fine and good. And him going to Greenville, which is more than Hubbard Town, that, that didn't help Alabama. But he remains good friends with Ben Davis and Lindell and Mike Wilson. So, you know, you know <laughs> sure, maybe he will commit to Auburn on Friday the 4th, but, that don't mean that's where he signed in February. Said it too many times before. Yep. So I mean, and like you said, it would take the pressure off of him if he goes ahead and does it now. And he even said on the TV that he wanted to get it out of the way so he can worry about, you know, concentrate on the season. So we'll just have to wait and see. And I mean, like you said, like Rashawn Evans and uh, and uh, Ruben. Uh, Foster, they were right there in Auburn, Alabama, and he got. Saban goes over there and gets and then like you said about T.J. Yeldon, so, you know, you're going up against the best recruiter in the country, so, and even the, even the coach mentioned that Kirby Smart was there the second day that Marlon uh, Davidson had moved to Greenville, so, uh, I don't think Alabama's giving up on him. No, no. No, they're not. I agree with Kerry 100%. Uh, you never know what's going to happen in recruiting. Um, you know, Marlon hasn't talked a whole lot. He recently went on a visit to Alabama with his brother, Kenneth Carter, supposedly. Uh, you know, and then, and then, of course, they made a big deal out of that in the Atlanta Journal constipation uh, that they try to spin everything toward uh, the Georgia anyway. Uh, you know, but, uh, but again, it's in, 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 and acting like, you know, Georgia might have a chance, but give me a break. It's going to be Alabama or Auburn uh, for Marlon Davidson. Uh, you know, I think in the end, Auburn is going to be tough to beat. But again, there would be stranger things happen uh, if uh, if uh, Marlon Davidson did not go to Auburn. Um, so, so we'll see what happens. But Alabama's in on a lot of good defensive linemen, regardless of Big C. And so far, uh, I, I think uh, the recruiting is going to play itself out and it's going to be strong. The thing I'm most concerned about is who's going to be the quarterback at the University of Alabama. And we're going to really see the next few days of practice and the first scrimmage August the 15th, uh, be a big part of that. And, of course, uh, the A-Day, or excuse me, the A-Day, the Red Elephant Club scrimmage, pardon me, uh, August the 22nd. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What do y'all, now, 
somebody told me they heard that Tom Lusenbill thought that Barnett's the best guy, but I just can't see Satan starting off a true freshman at quarterback at Alabama. What do y'all think? Well, uh, well, big C, I'll let Kerry uh, chime in just a second. But from what we saw Sunday, and that's one practice, he was the best guy. He made the best throws. You'd have to have a conservative game plan, but I think you could win with Blake Barnett. And, you know, I heard yesterday at the evening practice all five struggled. If they had to grade them, Bateman probably had the most completions, and he was horrid on uh, on Sunday. But uh, And so was David Cornwell. But once again, Coker was, uh, you know, erratic, turned the ball over. Barnett struggled some. And, uh, you know, and, and Alec Morris did as well. So none of them have stepped forward. You need somebody to to, uh, to take the bull by the horns, as Coach Saban has said. But the problem is Jake Coker's running out of time. He's been nuke loose from Bull Durham. He'll make two good throws, and then he'll hit the bull three times. So he's got to be more consistent. But I'll let Kerry give his take as well. My take is if you and I, and I told this to Drew on his show early this week, Big C. But if you had never ever watched Alabama practice or read about their recruiting or had any preconceived ideas about the football team, particularly the quarterback position, and you walked into that practice Sunday with an open mind, just going, "Okay, I don't know who these guys are, what they're supposed to be. I'm just going to lie down by the numbers how they did." And then you walked out of the stadium and somebody gave you a roster, you would have said, well, damn, I just picked Blake Barnett as the most impressive guy out there and Alec Morris as the second most. And then there was a drop-off to Jake Coker. And then there was another drop-off to David Cornwell and Cooper Bateman, both of whom just really stuck it out. I mean, Coker had a couple of good moments. And I'm told he had a couple of good moments today, as well as one or two bad moments. He, Consistency was his problem, but the most consistent guy out there Sunday was Blake Barnett, and the second most consistent guy was Alec Morris, a guy that I've been waiting two years to transfer to Sam Houston State, and now I'm wondering if he might even be a factor in the race when it's all said and done. But that being said, we ought to know anything at all about the quarterback situation until after the second scrimmage. The first scrimmage is this coming Saturday, and we'll have a friend of the show, uh, we hope William Redfish Barger will be there and he can report to us next Wednesday on that. And then a week from Saturday, uh, Drew and I will hopefully both be there to see that one. And we'll be able to get some informed opinions then. It's hard to judge in Big City when they're in shorts and shoulder pads, but just based on accuracy and footwork and picking out the right guy, after Barnett and Morris, there was a drop-off. And I think, Drew, there's all you agree with me on that. I really do. And now we're going to have Thomas also wants to chime in on the quarterback race. I think uh, one, a couple of things make this race not that they add intrigue to it. First off, we know Blake Barnett has said on this show that he's been receiving quarterback coaching from a private quarterbacks coach for a good long while, you know, a year, a year plus. We know he's also worked with George Whitfield in the very recent past. So the true freshman thing is a little out the window. And, and the question to me is, that it becomes, how many games can Alabama win with a guy like Jake Coker versus Blake Barnett? 
from what I know, from what I've seen from the spring, what you've heard from seven-on-seven drills, and what you've heard both inside and outside of the Alabama program, I don't see how coaches can think that a Jake Coker is worth one or two more wins compared to a Blake Barnett. And given that, I I think there's a legitimate shot for Barnett. I think this idea that Coker's going to walk in and start has been pushed by people that haven't sat down and broken down how horrific he looked on a lot of his throws in the spring and how the narrative really should have been, can he correct that during seven-on-sevens and in fall camp? Well, that wasn't their narrative, but the reality is, from everything I've read, he has yet to correct some of those very obvious mistakes. Jake Coker terrifies me as a starting quarterback because Alabama's schedule is already daunting, and it would be something where he would have to play on such a short leash. What do you think? You know, that, it just it get it can snowball out of control real fast with Coker. No doubt about it. As I said earlier in the show, uh, uh, Big C. Meat, I don't think you could hit water if you fell out of a boat. And that was the line from Bull Durham. Then he threw the ball through the window. And that's basically what you're seeing consistently with Jake Coker. But we want to thank you, Big C, for joining us tonight. Uh, We need to go on our five-minute or so break because we're a little bit behind because we want to bring in Ryan Fowler of Tide 99-1 tonight to give his take on the quarterbacks and what his audience in Tuscaloosa seems to think and what he thinks. He'll give us some definite big-time passion it takes with a lot of uh, uh, information from his sources, and we look forward to having Ryan Fowler join uh, uh, BAM's radio tonight very, in a very short period of time. We're going to take our five-minute break and have a great uh, week, Big C, great rest of your week, and we'll definitely look forward to you joining us next week again. But thank you for, again, uh, as always, contributing to BAM's radio.
Hey, we're back for the final segment, 40 minutes or so of Bands Radio. We want to thank the listeners for staying with us. And we are going to have a first-time guest on this show. He just wrapped up his daily radio program from 6 to 9 p.m. on Tide 99.1 in Tuscaloosa. A great friend of mine, frequent contributor to my show in Huntsville, Talking Ball in 97.7 Zone. We're glad to add him to the BAMS radio lineup, the preeminent radio show and the longest-running radio program in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, the city of champions. It is the incomparable Ryan C. Fowler now joining us on BAMS radio. Ryan, how are you tonight? Hey, I'm doing very well. I don't think Auburn's going to be worth a flip. Well, I, I, I know oh, okay. you probably weren't listening to uh, no, You no want to talk Alabama or you want to talk negative about Auburn? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing. It's good to be on with you guys. Well, uh, well it's great, just it's great to, to have you, man. And I, I know you're probably, you probably weren't listening to War Eagle Wednesday today on my show, but uh, speaking of Auburn, uh, Rod Bramlett came out on my program today and said he talked to Stan White recently, and they said Jeremy Johnson might be the greatest Auburn quarterback of all time. The hype is out of control. Uh, yeah, it is. And and I think it's it, it's not that he could not be. I mean, he may be the greatest. But how are we predicting that? I mean, I would look good going up against Auburn's defense. <laughs> I mean, I'm not... I mean, I'm not trying to be funny, but, I mean, that's what we know about Jeremy Johnson. We know a spring, and we know a little bit of a fall camp. And if I was going up against Auburn's defense, I would look good, okay? And and, and I think that's – and for those who know me, I couldn't play a lick at quarterback. But I could complete passes against that secondary. Um, <laughs> and, and, I mean, I'm not – I mean, I'm being serious. I, I really when, – when you look at – uh, wow, that's a situation. Uh, driving down the road, <laughs> driving down the road uh, from a radio station, and there's a truck that had something too tall, and he's hit the overpass. Um, and it's oh my lord! He was yeah. So I'm sorry. I, I I didn't mean to like stop doing a radio interview, but I'm driving down the road from uh, getting home from that, and I see this. Uh, and it's just laying in the middle of the road. There's a police officer here, so I'm I'm already down. I'm safe now. But no, I mean you look at Auburn for a couple of minutes. I think Jeremy Johnson is getting a lot of hype because there's not a lot of quarterbacks in this league that has is getting a lot of respect. Dak Prescott at Mississippi State obviously is a guy that jumps off. Uh, Allen at Texas A&M is a guy that you know is, is solid. But I think it's a little early to say that Jeremy Johnson is a Heisman finalist. And I know that's what's coming out of the Auburn family, but I think it's a little early uh, to put that type of pressure and responsibility on a guy that we've seen for, you know, three quarters in a game. Yeah, and I agree with you 100%, Ryan. Uh, I think the hype machine's out of control. But in the same aspect, you know, speaking of quarterbacks, the Crimson Tide is continuing to try to identify who should pull the trigger in 2015. Uh, you know, you have excellent sources in Tuscaloosa. You uh, uh, cover fall camp. You're the only radio personality and radio show to cover fall camp every day uh, for the Crimson Tide and to cover practice and Nick Saban and his press conferences. And what is your take thus far on the quarterback position? I know you were with us Sunday at the fan day practice. You saw Blake Barnett. You saw the plays he made. But he is a true freshman. He is very young. But right now, 
Jake Coker, a.k.a. Nuke Lelouch, just has not been able to be consistent, has been very erratic. And it, to me, it's a very concerning situation going into the scrimmage this Saturday. I think it's I think it's bigger than most Alabama fans would like to think that it is. And here's why. You know, I had a lot of calls tonight. I mean, I, I talked about it. I was pretty open about what I witnessed today in practice and Sunday. I, I, I try to be up front with my audience. I know I'm slanted toward Alabama. And I, I No doubt I pull for Alabama, and I'm uh, a graduate here and, and still doing some graduate work as well. So I want Alabama to be successful. Not only does it also help my radio show, but I also have to be truthful with my with the fans and the listeners who listen to our program. I think Nick Saban is probably concerned about this quarterback situation. It's not like we're not even talking about one guy to separate themselves. We're talking about can you get it down to three and four? And I think that's the biggest problem. Everybody wants to go back and talk about Blake Sims and Jacob Coker. At least we knew it was one or the other last year. It was either Blake Sims or Jacob Coker. Blake Sims won the team over, and I think you go back, I think now we're understanding that Jacob probably lost the team, uh, that Blake Sims was able to get that respect and get that attention. He won the team over. He got the job. Right now, I don't forget about being the starter. I don't even think they could name the top three guys. It is a cluster of a mess in Tuscaloosa right now with the quarterback situation. You could say, well, it's Nick Saban. He's the best coach in college football. Lane Kiffin was able to work the magic last year. I've heard all of it, and I've been yelled at and screamed at for three days because I don't have enough faith in the quarterbacks. I am very concerned about this position. Because Alabama has a national championship caliber team that can be right back in Atlanta and right back in college football playoffs if they get some production from the quarterback. But I'm concerned I mean, they on. will not even get that right now. Come on, Ryan. You know one of your callers said that David Cornwell is just like Pat Trammell. That's what he said. He That's was what drinking he said. The Saban, he was drinking the Saban Kool-Aid. Um, Yes, he, yes, but he you, was. But, but but if you'll ask me the question, who would I start right now? Who would I start right now? This is going to surprise a lot of people. I'm sure you guys have talked about it as well. I would start – I would throw the freshman into the mix, and I'd start Blake Barnett. And I know that sounds like, well, Rod, how could it be? Well, he's making all the throws. And everything that you tell me a freshman – you know, you're concerned about reading the checks as far as defense, calling the audibles. Well, Lane Kiffin did that for Blake Sims last year. Blake Sims could not read a defense. So that, if that's a concern, if that's the reason why you wouldn't start a freshman, well, then it's been eliminated because Lane Kiffin's going to be back on the sidelines. He can simplify the offense. I think the biggest chance for Alabama to win, and I think that's the goals of most Alabama fans, is to go back to Atlanta to win a national title, to be in the conversation, you're not going to be in the conversation if Jacob Coker continues what we've seen in the first week uh, as the starting quarterback. You're right, Ryan. And I'm about to kick it to Kerry Carter to give his thoughts, but I will say one thing. And Kerry brought him up earlier about, you know, getting his take on the scrimmage this coming weekend, and that's William Redfish Barger. 
frequent contributor to this show, but I talked to William this afternoon, and he made a great analogy. We were talking about the quarterbacks, and we were talking about Blake Barnett being the best player, and he said, why can the fans, they come to grips with the fact that a freshman like Rolando McClain in 2007 could call the defensive signals and play the middle linebacker spot, which is you know the basically the key cog in Nick Saban's defense. He could be the signal caller and already step up as a freshman out of Decatur High School. And then you can get behind the fact that someone in another position, a, a, a big-time position uh, like left tackle, you can see Cameron Robinson come straight out of high school, go through spring, and only give up three sacks as a starting left tackle in the SEC. Why can't you have a true freshman quarterback and just build a solid conservative game plan around him but protect him, use the O-line, and use the running game? I completely agree with Ryan about Blake Barnett after what I, the little bit I've seen, and we will see how it plays out in the scrimmages. But I know, Kerry, you wanted to give your thoughts. Well, you know, Ryan is there every day, and I'm not. I was only there Sunday, and I'll be there a week from Saturday. That were the two classes I see before the Wisconsin game. So maybe, Ryan, you can shed some light on this for me because I know you said we don't have it down to four or whatever yet. I, I didn't see anything Sunday, Ryan. I didn't see anything from Cooper Bateman or David Cornwell that made me think they were really in the race. So in my head, they may have it down to three already. Uh, and the thought on Barnett is, is a solid thought. It's a solid take. But I had somebody, to, and I know that his dad and some other people have reported he's up to 208. But I had somebody tonight tell me that he was probably still less than 200 if you, you know, just took him in shorts and t-shirt. I don't know if that's true or not. But Barnett is still fragile looking. And I think the, the fear, Ryan, is that somebody's going to come off the edge and break him in half you know, like they did when they threw Brandon Avalos out there and things like that. So I, I think there's a fear of that. I think they, you know, there's a 99% chance right now that Jay Cook starts the Wisconsin game. But I will admit, Ryan, that we could see a short lease like we did back in 1998 with John David Phillips. And all of a sudden, by the middle of the Florida game, Andrews Allen's in there for good. But I do think they have it down to three. I, I don't see anything from Cornwall or Bateman, that makes me think that they're serious contenders. I think the guy that needs to be getting a little more tall on is Adam Morris. Well, I agree with you. I didn't see anything from Cooper Bateman. And let me just sort of add a little nugget here. This is a little inside information that I didn't share on my show uh, tonight. I should have. Uh, I was told by someone who was at practice last night uh, who watched every minute of it that Cooper Bateman got a lot of reps with the first and second string offensive players uh, and and that that he was able to get we was able to get a lot more work than he expected and I think that tells you how big of a they're giving everybody a chance uh, to earn this job even a guy like Cooper Bateman who should have been eliminated we're talking about a guy that they tried to move to wide receiver because they didn't think he had a chance at quarterback and if that right there speaks volume of how big of a mess it is, I don't know what else does. Because I'm I'm right there with you, Kerry. Whenever time I watch Cooper Bateman, I don't see it. But let's let's add this to it. Cooper Bateman's probably the biggest athlete on that quarterback side. He's a great athlete. He's very fast, very you know physical. Maybe they're thinking that they could get a production similar to Blake Sims out of it. 
you know, that, that maybe they think they can simplify it enough. If they're going to run heavy, have another option in the backfield, you know, that can run some of these option reads. I, I mean, I'm just throwing out stuff because I don't know, and I don't think Nick Saban, I don't think Lane Kiffin know. I didn't see it in David Cornwell either, but I was also told by this source of mine that they had 10 passes good on good, 11 on 11. And this is the breakdown of the 10 passes. Now, they were able to run the football very solid, but this was the breakdown of the 10 passes. And this was several different quarterbacks. It was four incomplete passes, three interceptions, and three complete passes. Out of 10 passes in the two-minute drill, good on good. Ones against ones in the latter part of the practice. Can I tell you why Cooper Bateman is still here and why they're trying to keep him happy? Because he's the only holder that Adam Griffiths trusts, and they don't want him transferring to Adam Griffiths' gone. So they're going to keep making him think he's got a shot and let him do things like play receiver. If I was him, I'd be kicking down the door to the receiver meeting room. But they're going to keep things – they're going to do all they can to keep Cooper happy until Adam is not kicking for us anymore because Adam prefers Cooper as his holder over Alec Morris. And Adam will tell you that. Wow, yeah, and I, I did not know that, but it, it makes sense. I, I, yes, I didn't. I didn't know that, but that's uh, it's very believable. Yeah, that's a great point, Kerry. And sorry about interrupting there, Ryan. And I wanted to add one more point, though. And I think Ryan would agree with me here. Before we're going to get Thomas Watts to uh, make a point about another young skill player, but uh, Ryan made a great point about trying to run the zone read and using the mobility of the quarterback. Cooper Bateman is a very mobile individual, but if you wanted to run a zone read and wanted to use a court and get a quarterback outside the pocket who can still throw on the run, we've seen him do it. We saw him do it Sunday. The one quarterback that can, and William Redfish Barger made a great point of this today too. If Dominic Jackson, who struggles in pass protection, has a bust uh, at right tackle, then hey, and he gives up a pressure the one quarterback that you think he could still make a play with his legs, extend it, and keep a drive going is Blake Barnett. And I think you didn't get a chance to see Blake's mobility much Sunday, but the, what, the little bit you did see was very encouraging. I think he's slithery. I just think he's uh, a lot more mobile than people think. And I think uh, he could bring, he could still run the zone read and make it effective too when you needed to do that. I just think Blake Barnett's mobility could end up being the difference, and that's my take on that. Well, Ryan, I want to shift the conversation real quick. I think there, it's the quarterback situation is a quagmire that will only get solved by scrimmage play. But one of the things that could help alleviate said quagmire is a heavy dose of running the ball. Obviously, Derrick Henry and Kenyon Drake are the starters. That That's pretty much locked in. But how is Damian Harris, the young man who just came in, looked throughout fall camp? Well, I think, you know, you watch players throughout 7-on-7 seven seven and you hear the rebuttals. And, you know, when I hear the comment that the veterans would love to be able to get a hold of him, now when I'm saying that, I'm not saying that in a mean way. But when you show up veterans, they they cannot wait to get the pads on you, right? Because 7-on-7, seven seven, it's more of a two-hand touch. And what I was hearing is the veterans would love to be able to, you know, when they get the pads on uh, because he was doing some special things in seven-on-seven. Seven. You look at Damian Harris, I think he is a difference maker in the backfield. I think he's got that 
speed. He can make a guy miss. But he's also big enough. They only list him at 205. I know Alabama sometimes the roster and the size and, the, and, and you know, the uh, it's not 100%. He looks bigger than that. He runs low to the ground. He's really hard to tackle, but he, his moves are very impressive. I think he can give you a lot of options and to be a very you know big workhorse back for Alabama. And who knows? We're still, you know, I still wonder right here, can Derrick Henry be that guy that can carry the football? I think Derrick Henry may be more effective in the second quarter and the fourth quarter than he, maybe he is that first opening series. Now, I know you got Kenyon Drake, and he's almost at 220 pounds running in the upper, upper four threes. But if Damian Harris is able to do what he's done in the first week of practice, going up against the nation's best defensive line, then I know he can run against Arkansas and, and Georgia and Texas A&M. And, you know, with Auburn's situation on defensive line, I think Damian Harris can be a playmaker. I think you're going to use him. I think he's going to be maybe that 8-12, to 12-15 to 15 type carry guy. I think you're going to use him. I, I don't see any reason why you would because – you have to start waiting these talented freshmen. And then I guess like Blake Barnett. You know, is he going to be here for five years? No. No, I mean, he's not going to be. And I think that's the same with Damian Harris. You either use him or you're going to lose a year of eligibility because you didn't play it. And, Ryan, on that exact note uh, regarding eligibility, regarding young skilled players, and, and regarding, in this case, another true freshman that did not go through spring – Ryan, I know you were there and heard it live, but Nick Saban dropped a huge hint tonight about Minka Fitzpatrick, true freshman from New Jersey, and, and the fact that he's in contention at both star and corner, uh, you know, particularly with the shoulder problem with Tony Brown, and, of course, Molly Smith's been around, and he's probably the favorite to start. But Nick Saban basically said today that Minka Fitzpatrick is going to play a role on this defense this fall as a true freshman. And that is huge. Well, go back. Drew can, can put out a photo on of my text message to him. I told him last week, Thursday or Friday, when I first went out of that practice field and I saw number 29, which is Fitzpatrick, I told him, I said, this, this, he passes the eye test. Well, what I'm hearing is he's a ball hawk in, in, in practice. And, Kerry, what you said as far as learning a couple of different positions Let's go back to Nick Saban last year when we were talking about Marlon Humphrey and Sonny Brown. And it's no offense to those individuals, but Nick Saban talked about he only likes to take a freshman and learn one position. And I'll have to go back and find the audio, but it was a question about defensive backs, and we were struggling at the, in, in an area. We're giving up a lot of plays. And Nick Saban made the comment. He said that he only likes to work freshmen at certain one position, let him learn that position, and then he moves on. He doesn't want a freshman to you know, get overwhelmed with the complexity of defense. And I think it says a lot that Fitzpatrick, one week into practice, they're already working him at a, at a couple of different spots. That, that's pretty impressive, and he passes the eye test. And I think another part of that is you go back to Tony Brown. Go back to Tony Brown getting hurt. We all were sitting together at the press box. And we watched Tony go down with a shoulder injury, left shoulder injury. He didn't even miss a beat. 
He was back out on the practice field on Monday. Why? Because I think some of these younger players could be challenging for playing time, and he doesn't want to lose it. And what a horrible time. Yeah, he is a player. And what a horrible timeline for Marlon Humphrey to be sitting out with an injury when he was about to have his chance to shine. Absolutely. Totally. And I don't know what it is with Marlon, but he needs to try to find a way to get back. And I know the criticism out there in the NFL is that Saban, you know, works these players as far as injuries that he forces guys to get back quicker. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. The, the reason why it happens is because of so much depth. Because if you're sitting on the sidelines riding a bicycle, you're not learning what Nick Saban wants to do on the defense or offensive side of the football. These players push themselves to get back. Martin Humphrey, you're going to have to wake up or you're going to be watching 2015 from the sidelines because somebody else is going to beat you out. And well said, Ron. And Minka fits magic, as they like to call him. He is the real wow. deal. And now we're going to go to a frequent caller on our uh, on our uh, hotline for BAMS Radio, and uh, and that is uh, the Big Head Barbecue Hotline, and that is Bring the Pain, man. We really appreciate you joining us again. How are you doing tonight? I know you got a question for Ryan Fowler. I'm doing okay. Uh, I was listening. Y'all answered a couple of my questions I was going to ask about the quarterback position. But uh, the injuries and Bo Scarborough's uh, suspension, how bad is that? And do we have any injuries we got to worry about for the first game? Great question. Uh, Well, as I look at no-contact jerseys, uh, Martin Humphrey's been over to the side. Now, now listen, when we leave, he could be back out on the practice field. I mean, it may be, you know, something they're trying to create a conversation with us. Uh, but Bo Scarborough is the only guy that I have noticed in a no-contact black jersey other than the quarterbacks wearing black jerseys. So, but Bo Scarborough, credit to that young man. He's worked very hard in rehab to get where he is. And I've put some video clips up of him making some cuts and, I think it's just a credit to the medical staff and everything that's here at Alabama. Uh, Bo's got an amazing talent, and we go back to the spring, he was turning some heads quickly at his size and his moves. Don't count him out, but I think it's, you know, it's going to be one of those years that, you know, at that point in the season, you may already see a guy like Damian Harris, you know, be a big part of the offense, that he may have already earned his way on the field. But, uh, then you bring in a fresh running back that has not, you know, had a lot of contact midway point of the SEC. Uh, that that would also be good as well. Yeah, it, it really would. It's a great, great, uh, great analogy there, Ryan. I mean, great knowledge and great insight into the recovery of Bo Scarborough. But man, we want to thank you for joining us and taking some time out after your radio program to come on Bam's Radio and allow our listeners some insight into your what you've gleaned from fall camp and, of course what you talked about on your radio program. But for those that may not be from the Tuscaloosa area or from uh, the Birmingham uh, Central the uh, part of the state, uh, just kind of tell them about your radio program and how they can catch it, both on to follow it on Twitter and, of course, online. Yeah, absolutely. And I put up a lot of videos. Uh, as Drew said, I go to practice every day, and I put up a lot of videos. Uh, I'd love for you to connect with me on the Twitter account, at the game double UDGM at the game, double UDGM. Also, my personal account, Ryan C. Fowler, 
Uh, you can find me on Facebook. I, anybody that friends me, I accept. And uh, we have a lot of fun. I put photos and things up there. And then we talk daily, uh, three hours, six to nine on Tide 99.1 in Tuscaloosa. And you can uh, catch that on the World Wide Web. It's on your mobile phone as you're driving home. Uh, be able to listen to us there. You can download the app and different things. But it's Tide 99.1 in Tuscaloosa. But the right way to connect with me is on the Twitter account because you can find out all the things that we're involved in. And, Hey, man, I've always uh, enjoyed your program there and uh, enjoyed being on your radio show in Huntsville, but uh, also Carrie and I go back a long way and uh, enjoyed talking with him. And uh, It's been a while, and it was great to catch up in the press box and have some fun on sa- Sunday as we were watching Alabama go through the open practice. No doubt about well, it. Was great having you. Great having you. And, uh, we, we actually even have even opposed each other on the softball field. We sat in the radio studio together on Sunday afternoons and taking calls from Jeff from Tuscaloosa. So you're right. We do go back a ways, and we want you to please be a regular with us here on Bounds at least once a month. Absolutely. Now, Jim, uh, when he was calling us, he, w- he would go by Bill. So he was Bill uh, on that show. So he's Jim now. So he's transitioned into, I guess, his middle name. So uh, uh, I'll leave it at that. I guess I stirred the pot a little bit too much. But uh, yeah. outside, man, I hope you guys have a great evening. Thanks, Ryan. Roll Tide. Yes, Roll Tide and, uh, you know, schizophrenia at its finest. But now we can transition. We haven't talked a lot of recruiting tonight. Uh, To close the program, I know the Bama Nation and our listeners would love to hear from the latest commitment from the Crimson Tide that I had a chance to speak with just recently, and that is Clinton, Mississippi's Cam Akers, who Kerry Clark will see live in uh, the first weekend and the first Friday in November when they travel to Starkville, Mississippi. But this is 2017 commit Cam Akers from Clinton, Mississippi, and uh, talking about his commitment to the Crimson Tide. Cam Akers of Clinton, Mississippi, the Clinton Arrows. Cam, how are you today, man? I'm good. How you doing? Doing really well. I want to thank you for joining me uh, right before going out there to start the grind uh, with your teammates. And obviously uh, you guys are going to be uh, – y'all have got quite a season opener uh, for you, that you guys are preparing for uh, – you're going to be out for a little revenge against uh, a well-known high school program in your state, South Panola. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, we just been getting ready for um, well, working hard towards August 20th. You know, we got um, lots of them last in the playoffs nine seven, and so you know, like you said, we got a little revenge on our mind. Yeah, no doubt about that. And it's going to be a game a lot of people are paying attention to. A lot of great players on uh, each each squad. And uh, I just want to talk about your experience, though. Uh, Obviously, uh, you're a class of 2017 young man, and uh, you decided earlier this week when you uh, went on a, a trip to Tuscaloosa, Alabama on Tuesday uh, to commit to the Crimson Tide. And uh, just kind of tell our listeners your thought process, uh, why you decided to commit. Uh, well, I had – me and my parents were thinking well, – we had talked about it, and I was thinking about it for a while. And um, I went there Tuesday, and um, me and Coach Haven had a talk. And he had told me a lot of things that I needed to hear to um, make my decision final. And, and I feel like this is the school I need that, that that's right for me, and my family thinks so also. So I decided to commit there. Absolutely, and uh, it was big for you. And you're a 2000 as as we said, you've still got a, over almost two years until you sign your scholarship papers. Uh, what uh, had you been thinking for a while that you would commit earlier? Or did you just you just happen to feel right about Alabama? Uh, it just happened to feel right, you know. It's the right situation for me, uh, you know, with them being a winter school, great academics, uh, 
And I did some statistics on the past five years, every freshman running back that has came in has got new playing time. And that was a big factor for me also, playing time coming in as a freshman. So. Yeah, and obviously. Well, I know I have to work for it, but um, that's a big factor also. Without question. And I know obviously you've seen the track record of running backs at Alabama. Uh, and, and just about uh, going all the way back to 2008 with Glenn Coffey, all of them have uh, left after their junior seasons, and all of them have been uh, drafted and played a while in the National Football League. That had to be very attractive to you. But uh, just kind of talk about uh, your, your camp experiences. I know you visited Alabama. You camped at Alabama. Uh, you're someone that's – you've played quarterback for Clinton and safety, uh, but uh, but you but you uh, ultimately look you're, you're going to transition to running back in college. You kind of talk about your camp experience and and how you worked out at running back. Oh uh, well, you know I go, every camp I go to I go as a running back. You know, I move around the receiver sometimes, and and running back is my primary position. You know that's what I'm most comfortable with. But um, it, I I really had a good camp when I went up. Um, I caught the ball with Coach Saban. He told. I had the softest hands he had ever had, had ever seen, so that that really caught my attention when he said that. So I I really had a good camp, you know. Coach Burns worked me out, and uh, I like I like him a lot. Also. Yeah, and I was going to ask you next about Coach Burns. He's done such a great job developing backs, not just at Alabama, uh, but at Clemson and even Tulane. Uh, and he was, of course, a high school coaching uh, legend in New Orleans. But talk about your relationship with Coach Burns and how that's evolving. Uh, well, every time I go there, I talk to Coach Burns, you know, we have good talks. He called me and my parents at his office. And, you know, he tell me how it is, how he, how his running backs all have different styles of running. He told me, you know, I can do it all. I can do all. I can catch the ball and run the ball out of the backfield. And that's, and that's a big upside, you know, coming to Alabama. A lot of backs don't have that, have that ability to do that. And he said, I have that kind of ability. He said, that's a big upside. And, uh, and, and, and for the listeners that may not know, let everybody know your current height and weight. Uh, 5'11 and 2'15". So, yeah, you're very well put together, and uh, you've done a great job of helping uh, the Clinton program turn their fortunes around since you've been involved there. And uh, what, what, are you, what have you been working on the most? I mean, I know you've uh, you had a very good camp experience at Alabama, but right now for your team, your role will still be at quarterback and safety and uh, being uh, a leader of that football team. What have you been working on to get better this summer? Uh, I've been working on just my footwork, you know, my accuracy as a quarterback, you know, my leadership skills also. You know, being a quarterback, I have to have those, I have to have those um, kind of kind of things to help my team win, you know, and that's that's really what I've been focusing on as the season, as the season comes close. Yeah, and obviously, uh, you've got to be excited again about the year. You guys made a great run last year. You want to win a state championship and bring one to Clinton. Uh, but what I mean. When you decided uh, when you decided to uh, to commit to Alabama, did, or are you gonna what what is, uh, is your process over? Or are you gonna are you gonna continue to take visits? We got you, Cam. I think we lost Cam there real quick. We're gonna have to try to get him back. I think I think the call dropped. Well, but uh, we're gonna we wanted to ask him about his recruiting process and. And find out, you know, what his mindset is if he's going to continue to take visits uh, to other schools because it is a long time until uh, National Signing Day in February of 2017. But he is the top prospect in the state of Mississippi uh, for that for that period. And it's a huge get for Alabama, uh, along with he, along with Najee Harris from the state of California, Antioch, California, uh, one of the best players in the country, would make them, I, in my opinion, the best duo 
of running backs in the country in that class. But uh, we've got you back, Cam. Yes, sir. I'm sorry about that. Uh, you know, cell phones sometimes have a mind of their own. But I was just going to ask you your now your thought process. Obviously, you're very excited about Alabama uh, and the and both academically and athletically. Uh, but are you as your uh, with your recruiting process? Are you going to continue to take visits? Yes, sir, I will. I continue to take visits to other schools, but I'm 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 solid with the tide. Mm-hmm. And and academically, you you've uh, you seem uh, very in. Uh, yeah, in, it basically dialed in uh, both on and off the field. What are your what do you, what do you want to do? Have you decided what you want to major in academically? Uh, yes, I, I, I want to major in sports medicine when I go to college, and you know that that's a big deal for me, me and my parents. You know, that's something y'all looking into, like looking at school. So that's something I, I always have to put put at the top. Yeah, and obviously. Uh, you, now that you've committed so early, Alabama's already got two of uh, the top five backs in the country in this in that same class with Najee Harris uh, considered a top five back along with yourself. Uh, and you've seen how Alabama's rotated backs. Are you excited to be able to to uh, team uh, to team up with a, uh, a a caliber athlete of Najee Harris? Should you both sign with the Tide? Uh, yes, I'm definitely excited. You know, um, you know it's going it's going to be a sight to see. You know, when we both graduate in February in 2017. It's going to be a sight to see. I know we're going to come in and compete, and we're going to do big things first time. Yeah, without a doubt. And and now, obviously, uh, your your team, you got the South Panola opener. Uh, you guys are going to be uh, – there's going to be a lot of uh, eyes on you and your Clinton uh, uh, football team. What are your expectations? Uh, uh, go first, I know it's very high going into this rematch with South Panola after the narrow loss in the playoffs, but what are your expectations for this season for your group? My my expectations as a quarterback is that it's a win state. By, you know, um, even if we fall short a game or two, it doesn't that doesn't determine the whole season. But we coming out trying to win every game, of course, and that's our, that's our whole goal is to win state and get better game by game. And I and, and finally, what's Coach Boswell's message been to you? I know he's been very supportive of you throughout the recruiting process, and he was supportive of your decision, as was your parents, to commit to the University of Alabama. But what's been his message to you throughout your uh, your career, and and especially now, uh, now that you've made your decision at uh, Clinton to go to Alabama? Uh, his, his message has just been, you know, get better as, as like with, with the team. You know, he congratulated me, told me I made a good decision. He's going to support me no matter where I go. But, you know, he always comes back to the, to the team, you know, that's what it's all about, getting, getting better as a team and getting, reaching our main goal, and that's um, to win the state championship. And that's all he's about. Yeah, it really is, and uh, it's it's going to be big. And we we want to thank you, Cam. We know it's a very busy time for you. You're just about to go out on the practice field. But uh, in closing the segment, do you have a message out there for the Alabama fans? Uh, most definitely, uh, roll tide. I'm glad to be a part of the family. No doubt. Well, Cam, we really appreciate your time, man, and uh, we know it's been a, a busy time for you, and uh, especially the last this past week. You know, we, we know you got to get ready to get back out on the field, but good luck against South Panola and good luck this season, and we'll definitely be in touch. We want to thank you for joining Talking Ball today in Huntsville, Alabama, and good luck to you in the Clinton Arrows this season. Well, no problem. Thank you. Thank you. That's Cam Akers, one of the best players in the country, the top prospect in the state of Mississippi uh, for the class of 2017. Uh, chose the Crimson Tide. Uh, he had about he had ten offers. Uh, of course, Ole Miss and Mississippi State uh, recruited him very hard, and LSU, uh, which uh, he has he had said before was his dream school uh, when they offered. Well, Drew, that was a solid segment there. I have to say, well done, sir.
Uh, thank you, uh, Cam Akers, great, well-spoken young man from Clinton, Mississippi. And I know Kerry is looking forward to seeing him play, uh, you know, in November. It might be a little chilly then, but it should be some great talent on the field uh, in the state of Mississippi and Stark Vegas. Yeah, and A.J. Jones is in that game, too, for Starville. Hi, Jones. That's going to be. And you know what? Also, that very same day, Drew Diamond, after I got the email earlier today, just hours ago, I realized that the very same day that I'm traveling to Starville uh, is the final Nick at noon. So I jumped on the phone and called the ticket office and said, I'm going to go to Starville. I'll be stopping at the uh, – Coliseum here in Nick Salem, way right down there in the shoe. So it's going to be a really fun day for me. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. Sounds like it may be a time to take some vacation. <laughs> well, I can probably go work two and a half hours. I mean, yeah, I, you know, I, yeah, a little bit of vacation, yeah, not not a whole lot, but uh, yeah. So it's going to be a fun day, and uh, had a fun time tonight at Bright Star. Listened to various uh, anecdotes about Dallas football and opinions, and uh, it's that time of year, and. Uh, we had a big crowd, 60-something people showed up, and come to find out, Cecil's going to be back in town next week, I think a week from tomorrow. He's going to be talking and telling to the Shelby County alumni, so a lot of trips up and down the interstate for Mr. Hurt, and uh, may even have to go to that one too, Drew, because the other speaker that night is our friend of the show, Coach Quinterville, Coach Q from Bama Hockey. Yeah, Coach Q, a great friend of this show, no question about that. Uh, he's built an excellent program. That uh, hockey program, it's still considered a club program, but it's still he's done a very nice job building it and being very competitive within the SEC. And always, uh, you know, we met we met him at a tailgate last year. Great guy, great individual. I believe that we met him at a Nick at noon, was it not? No, we met him at the caravan in Huntsville. Ah, yes, that's correct. Okay, because of course he lives in Huntsville. Yes, okay. Good job. Yeah, that's right. We did meet him. He he actually I uh, recognized you and uh, went up to you and uh, I know you introduced me to Coach Q. That's correct. I now now I do remember and uh, it was great meeting him and he of course was used to be the hockey coach at UAH and is building the uh, program at the University of Alabama, the Frozen Tide and uh, he's he's also been on this show so it's great. It was great connecting with him and it'll be good seeing him again and I'm sure you'll have some excellent insight from the uh, Shelby County alumni meeting with Cecil Hurt as well, but it's been a quick two hours, and uh, we want to thank Kerry uh, for joining us uh, after uh, having the, well, we wish it had been a better meal at the Bright Star and hearing Cecil Hurt, and uh, it was it was enjoyable for me to, to host my second two-hour show of the day, got a, got my lunch in, I got my dinner show in, and uh, I enjoyed bringing it to the listeners, and we want to thank Rodney Orr for joining us, and Ryan Fowler, and of course, Big C, as always, and Bring the Pain, and we hope everyone enjoyed the Cam Makers interview. And we'll have more great programming for you next week on BAMS Radio. As fall camp rolls on 2015, we will have hopefully a, a, a very precise and informative scrimmage report from William Redfish Barger, a great friend of this show, as the quarterback carousel continues at the capstone. I hope everyone has a great rest of your night, uh, and we will talk to you next Wednesday on BAMS Radio. Roll Tide, everybody. Support Asian Rim in Huntsville and Birmingham, Roll Tide. Yes, sir. Gary Clark, Roll Tide. I'm Judy Armand. I'm with the Wizard Watt behind the curtain. Everyone, have a great day.